That's true. Super cool. It's probably you were you're not even that cool to have been. No. All right. Welcome to the backpack show, everybody. Where we talk about felines, canines, <laughs> and anything else. Be. Welcome to the Backpack Show. We're here to talk business. This is a big day. This is a big day. You know what? I love every time everyone says that at every episode of their podcast. I know. This is a completely <laughs> normal middle-of-the-road episode today. Today well, we have just someone. If you raise the bar high enough, it will be like that. It'll be like, well, here's another really smart person you can learn from. I guess we'll get them on out here. <laughs> That's what it's like. Today we're going to talk to Erin King. She's the, the author, King. The Erin King, brand new book, You're Kind of a Big Deal, Level Up by Unlocking Your Audacity. I think I have like a head start in that department. So fingers crossed. <laughs> This is, it's kind of a big deal to have Erin on the show. That's what I'm saying. She's a three-time entrepreneur and a best-selling author of Digital Persuasion and a global keynote speaker. Welcome to the Backpack Show with your hosts, Chris Brogan and Carrie Gargone. Boom shakalaka. Hola, Elizabeth. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? Good Aww. to see you. You are awesome. I don't know what so, I said to precipitate that, but thank you. Let's do a couple sponsored things really quick because I was told I had to remember to do it. We're sponsored by StreamYard. Get your own show if you want. Pretty easy. Seabrogan.me slash StreamYard. You can pick up the software. But once you get that done, all you got to do is push a few buttons, twist a few knobs, dial a few dial things. Get a co-host that can do those things for you. Sometimes. Hey, I'm doing one myself. Lucky. Look at me pushing my buttons. Watch. I'll push this button all I want, anytime I want. Okay. Fine, be that way. That's it, me pushing buttons. But you don't always need a co-host if you have a show like StreamYard either, do you? No, a lot of people did ask me to co-host shows with them right at the beginning of the pandemic, just because they thought that everything that happens here was because I'm so great. I'm like, no, the StreamYard is really, really easy. So just try right. StreamYard. Yeah. We're sponsored by Intercultural Spark, a show that comes out every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Time. Deanna Shoss, come get your Central Time Sparks on with Intercultural Spark with Deanna Shoss. Hey, want your own online domain? We'll just do three, I guess. You Not can do online. dot online. Cbrogan.me slash online. Can you get, you get big deal dot online? You'll probably get big deal dot online. I bet no one's bought that yet. So if you uh, use the code CHRIS in all capital letters... You get this online domain for just 99 cents for a whole year. Not even a buck. Boom. Done. Not even it. a buck. Hi, Leslie. Hey, Leslie. Oh, look, Papa Brogan is here. Gavin. Come Mama on. Brogan. My mom, my dad. Gavin Fancy's coming on. Oh. Coach Woodard is here. Give me a Google. Indeedy. Well, I, we will not give you a Google. We will look you up in pre search. Wow. <laughs> Gavin, wait up. Hang on. Hang on, Gavin. <laughs> we'll use pre-search. You don't want to have to give a Google. Give a pre-search. Pre-search.com. <laughs> the decentralized search engine. Mm. There we go. Now I did four ad reads. Let's grab our Aaron King really Congrats. quick. I guess you're kind of a big deal. She's, she's kind of a big deal. Aaron King, sure. welcome to this business. Hi, guys. How's it going? Best day ever. What's not to love? Best day ever. I love it. Great to see you guys. So happy to connect. This is this is kind of a big deal that you wrote your big deal book. Well, if we could go all the way back to the beginning of your entrepreneurship, uh, I think there's a lesson there that we could all learn from as women. When when did you first strike out on your own? When I was 
24. And it was because I was, I was slinging TV ads in Baltimore City. And nothing about this sentence makes any sense in 2021, but track with me. So I was selling broadcast television ads, cold calling from a landline out of the yellow pages, where I would then show up and present a printed out PowerPoint, get a paper check as a deposit. Okay, grandma, let's get you to bed. And bring it back. From, so a landline, for those of you watching, was a phone connected to the wall that you could not scroll Instagram from. It's very, very archaic. But um, yeah, I had that job and I was up for a promotion against my counterpart, this guy named James. I had better sales numbers, but James played golf with the boys club. And so when James got the promotion, I fully Jerry Maguire'd. I was like, I'm out of here. Who's coming with me? And of course, no one came with me. And I jumped ship and started my first, my first company when I was like 24. I mean, and it was a disaster. With, uh, you didn't, for, did you learn golf though? Or like, no, I didn't. I didn't learn that. I, I let it lasted for one year, had to go back and get a job and to get a debt. And then that became the beginning of my like serial entrepreneur sickness that I'm still recovering from. And um, learned a lot of lessons. Started a tampon delivery service called PMS.com. So it's like a dollar shave club, women's health care. And then my last company, Socialite, social media. Finally, third time was a charm. She had just like got my Chris Brogan on years before and just started with social media and just taken off. Could have my own backpack show and everything. But finally, my third venture took off and now I write books and help people level up how they show up online, offline and all the time. That's weird because I was thinking of quitting what I do so I could sell tampons. But, you, know, <laughs> you could trade it out if you want. Yeah, let's do it. You can interrupt, but I just noticed. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Feline invasion. I repeat, we have a feline invasion. Chris, hold very still. Do not turn your head. For the love of Pete, don't turn your head. Oh, the humanity. She'd go anywhere else. The <laughs> cat just loves you so much. So sweet. I'm squeezing her skull because that's her favorite thing. <laughs> okay. That's at least what I think might be your favorite thing. I'm not entirely sure. So, Aaron, um, what do you think was the difference? With your third business, like as compared to the first and the second, what did you do right? Or was it a combination of luck or timing? Like, what was it? What was the magic formula for you? Oh, I mean, just like the amount of mistakes and stupid shit that stupid stuff that That's I did okay. just like, just like decreased. Like, so it was like a lot of stupid shit that it was like slightly less Then it was like slightly less. And so every time you fail and fall flat on your face, you get a little smarter. And um, yeah, I think it was it was definitely the timing, I think, as well. And a lot of luck and just working like a dog, working like a cat, working like a dog. <laughs> that cat doesn't and, work at all. Come yeah, on. For, yeah. dog. <laughs> and it took off. And, and then it was, you know, a couple of years ago I was doing, uh, we did social media. You know, obviously everyone does social media. So it's like, as Chris knows, it's pretty um, saturated landscape, I would say. Everyone with a Facebook profile is like, oh, I can be your social media manager. So we were sitting down and I read this book called The Startup Owner's Manual. I was like, hmm, maybe I should read a book about how to do this. So maybe, maybe try to learn from someone else. And I was trying to figure it out myself, which has not worked so far. And in the book, it was saying about the importance of niching down and how you could figure out ways to find your jam. And so I was like, well, I really love live events. I love concerts and award shows and sporting events. I'm like, what if we're just like the social media agency just for live events only? And so it was super hard because we said no to all these contracts, like brand work, reputation management, you know, um, maintaining different profiles, community management. We're like, no, no, no. We only do live events. 
and we are the best people at live events. We do 90 days around your event and we blow it out before, during, and after. When we niche down to become the world's only live event social, we get hired by like the Oscars and Fashion Week and all these crazy events. And then we blew up because everyone's like, oh, they're like the event people. And so we were in Vegas, uh, when was it? Like a couple years ago, I guess five, six years ago. And one of the meeting planners came up to us and she's like bawling, crying, like mascara, like meltdown, freaking out. She's like, I have a breakout room with 250 people and the social media speaker isn't coming. She's like, can you go up there and just talk about like all the stuff you guys do for us? And I was like, I'm gonna throw up. This is my worst nightmare, holy crap. Like sweating through my Spanx, upper lip sweat, like panicking and I'm doing my Amy Cuddy power poses in the, in the bathroom. Like, what the heck? So I'd go out there, I blacked out, have no idea. It was full like Will Ferrell, old school scene with like the debate, you know? And afterward, I did not get a standing ovation. No, I did not. But I did get one other person that was like, hey, you should come talk to our company. And that one person led to another person. And now I speak and write full time. And now I don't even run my agency because clients are really tiring and exhausting. And this is more fun. And that's what I do. So it's a blast. With the uh, the shift into just picking uh, live events as a model, mm-hmm. did that... Is that is that enough runway for you for quite some time, or are you also in the back of your head thinking now I should branch it and make another one, you know, that has another thing? Or because you're doing the speaking and all that, are you just as happy keeping this in this in this lane? Feels like a good lane to me, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, the live event space was it was kind of fun because we did a bunch of like really sexy events, but we also did like some really random events. Like, for example, we did like the Radiological Society of North America, you know, like all these random conferences. And what I realized was kind of cool is like, it doesn't matter what the event is, if it's sexy or not sexy, everyone's on social media. And so when we were doing it, it was kind of very like cutting edge, like, oh my God, like Twitter and Instagram. And so I think for a long time, it was definitely the niche. As my speaking business started to grow, more and more people started to realize like, hey, this thing's legit. We need to like staff up, still have people to hire their own internal people. So the timing of social life, like, we were doing it when it was kind of cutting edge. And then right when I went into speaking, people kind of started figuring it out. So it was a kind of a nice little kind of parting of ways. And now I just speak and write full time. So it was fun though. So what makes for a really amazing live event now that we're all about to have events again pretty soon? <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. Um, I mean, you guys know, since you guys do a live event every day, basically, you guys are live event pros being going live on you know YouTube every day. Um, but so I'm actually, I'm speaking on only the second stage since the pandemic um, in, I think it's 21 days. And it's for the National Speakers Association, which is terrifying because it's 500 professional speakers who you can't BS. They know all your tricks. They're judgy, right? So, so this talk is happening in like 21 days. And um, I'm going to try to use social media I'm doing an Instagram takeover in two days. I'm trying to like figure out what they want to know and then sort of like walk the walk. I'm trying to like demonstrate the before, during, and after an event and weave it into the content. Um, So we'll see how it goes. It could be a disaster. We'll find out. But um, I think it really comes down to uh, showing people what they can't see from the images and videos alone. So a lot of times it's like, we're at an event having fun. You're not. It's like, duh. Okay, that's not really helping anyone feel part of it, right? Or or it's like, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me. It's like, well, no one's going to be like, oh, I wish I wasn't speaking. This place sucks. Like, So I feel like we just need to get a little more creative with sharing like the stories and the backstory and what's happening backstage and what's the messy, the dirty, the funny, the awkward, the weird that you can't see 
from the visual alone. So I preach that a lot. And um, I try to practice what I preach too. So I'm going to swing 90 degrees right into your book. You okay. have this tome, this written volume, this collection of words in a diagonal. Uh, you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say you have a question that's not related to anything else we've been talking about? And this question comes from inside the big yard at Folsom County Prison. Brad, All right. And yourself. I promise it's not one of those tests. You ever have you ever do an interview where someone's like on page 47, you said, and you're like, you know, the last time I saw page 47. I have the book. I'm like, I'm like ready. I'm like, shoot, he's going to ask me something. I got to find it real quick. <laughs> what are the index? Quick. Yeah. Audacity. Why? What? And yeah. how do you help people feel a little bit better about audacity? There's a lot of people who don't want to be audacious. I know it. I know it. It's, so what do you guys think? Do you think it's a negative word or a positive word? I um, think it's positive. But I, I think it's positive in that sense that like showmen think it's positive. I, show people. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that a lot of people. I'm super uh, introverted. I never aim to be audacious. So I'm curious. Carrie, well, what's I think your, what's your take? the elderly senior partner at a law firm I practiced at had said that I was audacious. And I don't think at the time he meant it as a compliment completely. Yeah. But I did win. So I took it as a compliment. Yeah. Well, we've all heard that phrase. We're like, oh, and the audacity of them, right? They blah, blah, blah. So obviously the, the, the phrase is intentionally a little bit um, controversial. My first book was called Digital Persuasion. Persuasion is also intentionally a controversial word. Um, there's a lot of books written about confidence, especially for women. Thanks, Elizabeth. And I think what's interesting is like they tell women just be confident. And you got it. That's all you need. Just more confidence. Dream bigger. Be confident. And the reality is that's total crap because confidence might get you started. But then the minute that everyone around you is like, no, girl, and they're not like, go, girl, you get stuck. You get you get stuck in your trip. You know, you get the obstacles arise because everyone around you is kind of like, oh, we kind of like when you play a little smaller. We kind of like when you fit in this box. We kind of like when you play the good girl. We kind of like when you do like, like, like be yourself, but fit in. Right. So, and so audacity, the definition is it's, you know, it's daring greatly, which is very sexy. Okay. Brene Brown, dare greatly. Who doesn't want to? Okay. Yeah. I'll dare greatly. I'm a hero. But then the caveat, the non-sexy fine print of the definition is the second half, which says, even if it might shock or even offend. And that's where we kind of put on the brakes a little bit. So we kind of skid to a stop because it's like, whoa, cancel culture. We don't want to shock or offend, right? We want to play within the lines, make sure everyone likes us for our likes and our follows. Like we don't want to ding our quality score, right? So, and so when it comes to doing something big and major, a lot of times if no one's really reacting and if no one is even a little bit offended, is it even like that big of a deal? Are you even really doing anything that's that crazy? And so I think confidence gets women started, but audacity is what sustains them, keeps them going, keeps them pushing through when their big actions ignite big, sometimes unfavorable reactions. Well, for context, I was in a boardroom surrounded by a lot of really old men <laughs> who got their law degrees like in the 60s. And so I think they just weren't prepared to hear what I had to say, but they heard it nonetheless. Yeah. So audacious yeah. in that sense, I feel like was totally fine. Yeah. No, and it's not about being, oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, I let him really... talk. My God, he never gets a chance to yeah. speak. Well, he's the introvert. We can't just like steamroller. <laughs> That's true. That's true. This is your moment. I know I steamrollered into like a totally other topic, still about the book, but you know, not about the, the old man. The titles of your chapters are all so good. 
They're all yeah. so good. Bad listener. I want to know what that means. Feel jealous to find genius. Yeah. Talk about how that all got done. What what happened to put this book together? Is this, you know, what was the process like? Did you work with some people? Did you get some coaching? What worked for you? Yeah. Well, I was telling you guys earlier, I had this group called the She Noters, and it's Tamsin Webster, Tammy Evans, and Neen James. And they they're straight shooters. I mean, they will just shoot you straight. And I remember I was telling you some of the ideas of the book, and you know, you guys know Tamsin, and they were just kind of like, it's good, it's fine you know, heard it before, you know, so I went through all of those same advice and I was like, you know, I have heard this. This is not new. This is not new. And then I was like going through each one and I was like, do I really agree with this? What do I really think? What, what would I think even if it was shocking or offensive? What would I think even if it was like not okay? And I just kind of got crazy with it and switched it up. So for example, to use your, the one you called out earlier, um, if you scroll down a little bit, Chris, the one about feeling jealous to find genius, chapter five. So that chapter is all about when I very first saw um, a gal named, you guys probably know her. Do you guys know a girl named Cindy Gallup by chance? Oh, yeah. She's been Summer on her guest. Oh, she has? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's awesome. So when I had my very first client at Socialite, we went to a conference. My girlfriend worked for Mashable and we went to this thing in Disney World. And Cindy Gallup, it was like all these dudes in the audience. It was like 10% women. And everyone, it was kind of like one of those serious like B2B, like everyone's like real buzzwordy and everything. So we're there. And she just like stretch out, struts out on stage. I've never seen her before. And she had this like gorgeous black leather, like Catwoman suit and the swingy bob and the clip British accent. And she's talking about make love, not porn. And she had the biggest balls I'd ever seen on a woman my entire life, tore the place up. I was like in awe of her, the standing ovation. And I sat there and I was like, I'm so jealous of this woman. I'm so jealous of her. And then immediately I was like, wait, your girl power, your first sister's helping sisters. Like, don't be jealous. Like, you just be just happy for her and that's enough. And then like later in life, I when I had this thing happen with an event, when they called in sick with the, the social media speaker and they called me in, I remembered Cindy Gallup. And I was like, maybe I was jealous because that's really what I deep down wanted to do. And then I kind of like channeled my inner Cindy. I mean, I was wearing like, trade show flats, like an ugly J. Crew outfit, like, let's be honest, like not even close. <laughs> and like when they all stood up to rise up to their feet, it was to leave, not to give me a standing ovation. But other than that, I was basically totally her. But the whole chapter is about how some of the emotions that we experience that we immediately like, oh, that's like a negative. We don't want to, you know, it's like, is that secretly maybe like an indicator of what you really want in life and what maybe you're too scared to do? Like, so it's a lot of the, you know, reframing these things, like becoming a bad listener, we're always going to be good listeners and you know, the chapter talks about, obviously, if you're in sales, great salespeople are great listeners. If your partner's about to, like, punch you in the face because you're being a jerk, probably should listen a little bit. Okay? Like, yes, listen to your people. And I think that there is some value in hearing certain people with your ears but not listening with your heart. Like, are they a truth teller? Do they get a seat at the table? Maybe, maybe not. And so challenging ourselves to not always think we have to listen twice as much as we speak, depending on the scenario, um, is something that I kind of have has helped me a lot. Like not everyone gets a voice and that's okay. And I think guys, I think dudes, like in the book, there's a thing called a dudeitude. And dudeitudes are all about, guys are a lot better being like, I hear you, but no, like fuck it, right? And I think women sometimes are a little more like, like, oh, I want to make sure that everyone, like, uh. so it kind of blows up some of those expectations that maybe we place on ourselves and narratives that we're telling ourselves everyone's expecting that maybe sometimes they do like carry with you with those old dudes. But sometimes it's like this fake narrative on what's going to happen that doesn't actually go down and can make you step into this bold, brave, audacious version of yourself. It's very interesting when you can 
unfetter yourself to be that version of yourself. I mean, in some situations, like I'm, I'm an advocate if I'm an attorney and I'm trying to get to a certain result. And sometimes being my unfettered self is the best way to get there because mm-hmm. it like you know, throws everybody off. Other times not. Other times I have to be like, oh, I don't know. It seems like maybe this could be construed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then sometimes that gets me the result I want. Mm-hmm. It's not because I feel any less sure about what ought to happen. It's just a question of like the tools in my, in my arsenal, you know, that That's I have right. to use. And, and that's what we do. So, but anybody who knew me would be like, I'm audacious for acting like that. Like, so Namby Pamby. <laughs> like, that's not me at all. <laughs> Namby Pamby. But I like to win. So, you know. Out there on the stage, uh, taking the book to the stage, what's been the translation experience for you of getting it from, you know, your book chapters into narrative nicely in front of your crowds? Oh, Chris, well, I only did it once and it was a couple of days ago. So oh. I have like, how'd you do? Um, I think it was a double. I don't know if it was a home run. I think it was a double to maybe like a double off the bag, back to the double. Like, I don't think it was a triple or a homie, but um, I think um, just dusting off the pandemic. Did you just call it a homie? Yeah. A homie. A home run. Is that like correct? No, I mean, I know what you were saying. Oh, we can roll with the homies. I, mean, I know you guys had sort of like, whatever. We can go with our No, I don't know anything about sports. So I was like, <laughs> I've never heard that. I'm learning today. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was funny because, I mean, I don't know if you guys have done, like, live stage stuff since the pandemic stopped, but it's, like, really, it's a little, it's a little dusty. It's a little, not talking to a camera, like, we're so used to, like, laughing at our own jokes. And, you know, like, my husband's my camera guy. He doesn't think I'm funny at all at this point. Like, he's, like, he's heard it all. There's, like, zero. It's just, like, mm, right? So I'm used to, like, being, like, huh. So then you get on a live stage and you're getting responses or not, and you're, like, oh, wait, it's a whole re-education to get back into that. So... I have a, a bunch of gigs for this end of the summer and this fall that are about the book. And the biggest question, long story long, to answer your question, Chris, is the story is packed or the book is packed full of stories. And so I'm trying to figure out which stories will land the best with which audiences. It's kind of like a matching process is where I feel right now. Like, you know, like because the Cindy Gallup story might resonate for those of us who are pro speakers. But for other people, they'd be like, yeah, but like you know, maybe it's just like, I, I, like, I, I don't believe in jealousy or I'm never jealous or, you know, so it's like figuring out which stories, like one of them is called fake your face, face your fake news fears. And so there's a lot of stories in there around facing down what we're really scared of. Um, and my story is very basic, brave, like hashtag basic, like basic white chick brave. And so I have to disclaimer that it's like, this is not Malala fighting off the Taliban. This is not Bethany Hamilton getting her arm bitten off by a shark. This is a basic, everyday, little bitty brave moment. But sometimes those rejection reps in those moments, we only get opportunities in like smaller gyms, you know? And so it's like that disclaimer where you don't want to come out like, this is my story. And people are like, oh, that's cute. This is what happened to me, <laughs> right? So that's the biggest thing is figuring out how to fly the plane on the stories based on the audience. That could be a biggie. Um, so I missed timing wise just a little bit because I was just so enthralled in the conversation that I have to do a couple really quick ad reads. So okay. don't go anywhere, anybody. This is literally like a minute and five seconds. Boop, Aaron's backstage, like a minute or five, not even really. Hey, like podcasts, me too. <laughs> go to castos.com if you want a good past podcast host. If you want to host your own podcast. Yeah, they're a good podcast host, castos.com. <laughs> that was it. That was the only one I didn't read. Oh, I thought I had it? one more. Hooray. Mm, great, Aaron King. It is. Don't read your text. Get out of there. It's very, what? It's very important backstage right now. She's doing lots of things. Oh. All right. 
All right, we caught you. <laughs> I think it was like a minute. I like, forgot, like, I don't forgot to me some shit to she's, like, she's time quilting. Oh, you yeah. literally, Chris, did a presentation today in which you recommended time quilting. So don't get all indignant and on what your time, high horse about time that. Quilting? Time quilting is when you take uh, the little bits of time in your in your life, like those five minutes, and throw it really quickly into some other project so that you could take those fives and those tens and those sevens, yes. like when you're waiting for the kid in the school line or something like that. And make enough of those little bits into something bigger because a quilt is just a bunch of scraps into something useful, right? Genius. So. I love that. Right. So yeah. don't get on her for like shooting a quick email after yeah, what you expected. <laughs> yeah. But I think what's interesting about what you're saying is you actually have to you have to relearn everything, too, that you knew as a professional speaker before the pandemic. Like I remember speaking for the first time in the Midwest and how they did not laugh anything and i was like oh my god i'm like bombing worse than anybody could ever bomb right now this is so bad not going over at all but no i wasn't they were on twitter going oh my god this is the best oh she's hilarious blah, blah, blah. oh good you just don't good. laugh like out loud that's the narrative you were telling yourself right like we create these stories of what well, was you, happening which wasn't really happening you were killing yeah, it you, you come to expect a certain response it's like call and response yeah. and the audience gives you energy back and everything but different parts of the country have a little bit of a different culture and if you're not prepared for it, you know, it's okay. Yeah. So if one person's like, <laughs> that's like they're rolling in the aisles. It's a whole different standard. Totally. So you'll, you'll relearn it all, I guess. Oh, It'll and it was so, I was back. actually texting with Jay Bear. I know you guys are friends with Jay as well. After my first, we had our, both had our first gig back the same day. And I was texting with him and I was like, how tired are you? Are you so tired? He's like, I'm so tired. Like, is it so, like I, I forgot to move. I was just like standing there. Cause it's like, you're used to having just the camera. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, we need to like move and there's people and, I mean, you just collapse after, you just forget. And it was so funny when the pandemic started, I was like, this sucks. Like these, all these video keynotes and talking to yourself and pre-recorded. well then the muscle, right? Now we get better and better. But now it's like, to your point, Carrie, like relearning this whole other presentation style. Um, it's it's definitely, it's so different, but I'm, it's so great to be back. I mean, everyone just hugging strangers and being excited to be out of the house. And so what if a couple of my say by the bell jokes didn't land with some of the older gals? That's okay, you know, because we were all there and not everyone loved Kelly Kapowski the way I did. And it's not a big deal. So it's fine. You know, we, we move on. We learn. We keep going. I was just down at the bottom of one of your website pages and I love what I saw. We live in a super old beach house, beach shack, no AC, no heat, no dishwasher, microwave, etc. Yeah. Well, I live in such a non-fancy place because there's a surf break in our front yard and mountain bike trails in our backyard. That is a story of beauty. There's well the trails. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. So well, it's not cool. It, it's actually hot as hell in the summer because we have no AC and there's about two months that get real hot. And we're like, it's like the nineties. We have the fans, you know, it's, it gets a little, a little dicey, but um, thank you for saying that. A little bit of wet paper towel on the neck kind of a oh, thing. Oh, the cubes yeah. all day. Yeah. Uh-huh. You had to soak the sheets and then try to go to bed and wrap yourself up in yeah. the wet sheets and hope to fall asleep. I, we lay on like separate sides and it's like one pinky is like kind of touching and that's it. Yeah. Like don't even think about it. You know, it's, like, this, is, this, is, this is first base. This is where we're getting tonight. It's like this. Like it's just so hot. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, that's again, not cool. Pretty interesting. Uh, because of the choices that 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 entails. I mean, that's a real stripped down life. So it gives you a lot of different ways to look at things. When you talk about in your book, helping people find success, do you cover that at all? Do you talk about the idea of like 
there's a lot of different ways to land on that or is that part of your sessions or where does that where does that part of your life fit into the work like defining success for yourself yeah yeah there's a whole chapter called your part of your playlist and your part of your playlist talks about um the fact that to this day actually I have never made as much money as I did when I was like mid socialite. When we were running all these big events, and I was like losing my hair in the shower. I had anxiety. I couldn't sleep. I was miserable. But I, it was like my most successful I ever was, technically, like the biggest, you know, tax check you ever wrote or whatever. And I remember just like being like, I this sucks. I hate this. I hate all this pressure. I hate. I'm crying. I don't want to go to my own office. I'm the CEO, and I don't even want to show up. Like I'm just it sucked and so I fired like two-thirds of my staff I got rid of a bunch of our clients got rid of our fancy office with all of our fancy parties and just like did the big simplification just threw out a bunch of crap and just reinvented and and it sounds so like glamorous and oh yeah you just it my parents were like what is wrong no one's really like good job everyone's like that's stupid (laughs) like no one really fist bumps you on it until so it's like having the audacity which can be shocking um, to redefine what that looks like for you. And it's it's kind of cool. One of my, um, my sister-in-law actually lives in Boston, Chris, near you. I live in Hingham. And she was just looking at taking a, a job with um, Salesforce, which is like, you know, the big fancy company. And it was going to be like all this much more money. And then and that, but it was also all this big responsibility and travel. And and it's like the next step is like, you keep going up. And and she was like, I read that chapter I didn't think she listened to anything I said, first of all, because she's way smarter than me. And she has an MBA and she's like a genius. And I'm like, you read it, first of all, and then you actually listened. She said, right. And I was like, you know what? I'm not being complacent to say that I love where I am right now and that I, I enjoy my space to breathe and and go for walks and talk to my neighbors. And like, is success and winning always, I mean, sure, air conditioning would be definitely a win, but like, is success and money and winning always what we think it is? And um, so it's kind of cool that, she actually read it and that she made a decision and she's really stoked on it. So that was kind of um, really a, a fun moment. It was about two days ago. So it's kind of cool. Savor that. That sounds huge. Aaron yeah, King, we can special. grab this book and we can learn how to become a big deal. We have two more things we got to do in this entire episode and then we're going to roll our way out of here. So number one. Oh, and here's our person of the day. Kaboom. Ooh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen Christina in these parts in a long time. So I'm giving it to her. So she said, I can't stop laughing. You are a career expert, by the way, Christine Double R. Cool. So she wins. Is an audio, is an audible version coming soon? Asks Elizabeth. Yes, Elizabeth. There we go. Will you read it yourself? Heck yeah. Those are my favorites. It's so awful. I've only I've only had one person that I know that published a book and then somebody else read it like some actor and they sucked. Oh really? It was so well, bad. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do it like in a fake British accent, obviously, the whole time. But I mean other than that, like yeah, clearly. But you know, but, you know lots of different British accents anymore, you know. Do what? What do you say? They don't give authors the choice a lot of times anymore either. They say, mm, yeah. we got a guy, they'll read it, it'll be faster. And oh, they don't even really? give you the chance anymore. A lot of times, you know, but you, you could be right. The contract was about this thick, McGraw Hill. It was like, and I didn't read a page of it. So you, you, you could be <laughs> fully correct. I have no you idea. Never know. Now that, that is audacious. <laughs> She's Dang. working on getting out her books. So that's yep. cool. Yeah, go, Christina. Read that right. contract. Christina. You're kind of a big deal. Read that contract. Now, your person of the day that entitles you to one free apple, except that you have to buy it and then wash it really good before you eat it. Then you can eat it. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, and now here's a question we've asked every single guest who's ever been on here. 
bar none. What goes in your backpack? This could be something physical. It could be something metaphorical. Carrie, what's an example of something physical someone could put in a backpack? A book you hate because if it's the only book you have with you, eventually you'll read it and learn something from it. Oh, I do like Whoa. that. Whoa. That was Whiskey I mean, Nate. Whiskey Nate came up with that. Anything good in the land of metaphorical we could add to a backpack? Kindness. I think kindness. That's a good one. I like kindness. Wow. Yeah. Seems so like the shallow. kind of thing a burlesque dancer would mention. I feel so <laughs> shallow. I was going to say dry shampoo. Oh my God. No, you're so right. So you right know, when you're that. traveling and you're a, a gal, like you can't wash your hair all the time because you're just like, it takes so long. It takes like an hour to do your hair. And it's like, you get sleep. You can either sleep an hour before your meeting or yep. you can sleep and, do, and you know I mean? Like the dry shampoo saves you an hour, gets you an hour of sleep essentially. And sleep but you also so can't important. present like with stringy hair. So you mm. gotta like, and you need the good dry shampoo. You can and like, doesn't it blends? That's what you need. That's such a, like a California shallow answer, no, isn't it? I think it's practical. I mean, don't expect Chris to understand that. But. <laughs> I was just wondering if there's dry conditioner, but there probably is, and my joke wouldn't be as funny. So, is there dry conditioner? <sighs> oh, <laughs> no, because you're like rather meh on me reading my own book. See, but you are a big deal, Christina. Yeah, you are, Christina. Right. Yeah, you're a big deal. You guys are both a big deal, Kristen Carey. This has been so fun. Thanks for having me on your big deal. Backpack show. Very big deal. Uh, What's fun? One thing my grandmother used to say, which is kind of like a French Canadian way of making fun of people who feel they're a little too big for her britches. Uh, <laughs> it was a French statement. It would be like, Conjurski. Bob That's Collins a, rolling in. Bob Collins. <laughs> that is funny at the end how you did that. I was like, what did she say? <laughs> <laughs>